Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Good morrow, Otterites. This is episode 181. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, uh, welcome to the fourth Friday of the month. I hope this is our our change is not disconcerting you too much, Otterites. I know you missed us last week, but here we are again. But here we are. Uh, this is a Code of Honor. That's going to be a regular thing. Code of Honor will now be every fourth Friday. You'll get us doing Code of Honor. And, of course, this episode is a follow-up. Uh, the Code of Honors are flipped. They're no longer the aperitif. They're now the follow-on. They're That's the right. dessert. They are the dessert. They're the, they're the sweet dessert, the sweet treat after the main course uh, of talking about uh, John Stuart Mill. That's right. We covered... His life and philosophy somewhat. I don't know how well we really did last week or last month, uh, two weeks ago, but we did what we did. We Almost did what we did. Hour and 20 some odd minutes, which is a bit long for us, but since you only get us every two weeks now, give or take a little, uh, you know. Consider it a bonus. Consider it a bonus. So uh, so uh, I brought the bag of axe handles. Uh, again, we're getting them out. Uh, we're stretching right here and getting ready to swing at the John Stuart Mill Pinata. Uh, like we did last uh, last time, um, and we're recording here, uh, getting that nice view at Studio R at the Atrium, and uh, I think I'm going to have Francis lead us off with his first John Stuart Mill quote, and this is going to be a challenging one for Robert because we're not sure if we're going to do the quotes we like of John Stuart Mill or the quotes we hate from John Stuart Mill. So Robert's going to have a hard time stitching these together and playing the hammer this time. It is. I, I fully expect to have an issue because I'm looking at the quotes and there's a lot of stuff I would agree with in the yeah. quotes that are pulled out, you know. But it, it's great to cherry pick Mill. Yes. It's one of those things where if you take one sentence out of the context, it sounds awesome. You put it back in the paragraph and have the context, then you're like, oh, well, he's an idiot. Right. And sometimes even the reverse. You know, if you take this one piece out of the middle, it's like, oh, that's really bad. But the stuff around it's not bad. He's a, he's a master of the qualifier, I found. Looking through these, these quotes, those subordinate clauses yes, that yeah. he uses yeah. and to as we, hedge his bets. Well, as we talked about, he presumes an awful lot that cannot be presumed either. Yes. Uh, you know, as far as the goodness of people and... What have you? Which I think a lot of philosophers do. Yeah, that naivete that humans are fallen creatures. Yeah, yeah. They obviously don't read the newspaper enough. Well, yeah. not that anybody reads newspaper anymore. But. Right. So, anyways, uh, Francis, Francis uh, why don't you take off for us? Well, please? one of the things you'll find when you look up John Stuart Mill quotes is they're almost nothing short about mm-hmm. them. They're all paragraphs and paragraphs. Right. And because you need that context. You need that like context. Said, That's you, right. It's, it's really to, hard to, to hit what you're at. Pull a you piece know. out. Well, he is verbose. Because, I mean, yeah. we could, if we were yeah. to edit a lot of his paragraphs, we could do it down to one or two sentences. And yeah. there are a lot of excuses for bad ideas. Yes. Yeah, that's well, good. That's fair. Yeah, well, there's nothing you, would, you could never accuse Mill of not thinking the matter through. You may come, you, eh. you may, because he, he definitely spends time with it. Yeah. He's well, it, right. It takes a lot of work to put in all those subordinate clauses well, that's right. and all those qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's correct. Well, I decided I'm picking one that's short, just to save our ears, because 
Uh, just looking through here, I mean, my lord, we could go on and on and on. It's hard to get your arms around something that takes three paragraphs to really get out there. Yeah. But this one isn't, and this is a good one. This is one that I would agree with. Uh, uh, it is not because men's desires are strong that they act ill. It is because their consciences are weak. And you all know me as a devotee of Thomas More. Conscience is a very important thing. All right, this is me. from On Liberty. It is from On Liberty. His work on, uh, his most famous work, yeah. you would say, that, that postulates a lot of the utilitarianism uh, that he has out there. Although it's not specifically about the philosophy itself. It's much broader than that. Uh, so this is one that you're sympathetic with. Absolutely, yes. Uh, uh, I, th I think a lot of, the, we can, I think, and we and in our extremely long show prep, actually, we talked a lot about why do things, bad things happen, in particular, we were talking about school shootings. And I'm not, of course, we couldn't come to a complete answer, but this is exactly this. Weak consciences, uh, the inability to feel empathy for others, uh, or a, a, a weak moral center, which I'm equating both of those two things to uh, as contributory, not uh, complete, uh, issues with regards to conscience. I think that uh, you'll often find where there, where a conscience is weak or undeveloped or problematic, you could look to both of those, right. one or both of those things to be but present. But the opening cause about desires, Yes. he's saying desires are not bad things. Well, they are not the cause of ill. Having desires, even acting on it's those who do bad. Strong desires. Strong desires. That's right. Those who do bad don't do so because of strong desires. In other words, it's not passion that enable and to use school shootings as the option. It's not passion that drives, according to Mill, that drives them to do what they do. It's the lack of a conscience. The lack of an empathy for seeing others as real. As real, as real with value, not just an end. I think or that's not just a means to your own end. I think that's. I think conscience is broader than that, but I think that's certainly one valid way of, of speaking so of what conscience is. It's kind of is. a Kantian statement. You could yeah, say that. Kant, you know, we talked about this at, at length with Kant. People are not a means to your ends. Correct. Yes. People yeah. should be viewed as an end of themselves. In a positive end, right, and right. that that was part of that's what led him to the categorical imperative. This is, quote is very difficult for me because again I, I I just find this there's a naivete to the true nature of humanity. In that quote, how so? Really, because I I'm uh, I I think this is a very valid quote. I think there's this is true on in, uh, in many ways. I guess it just depends on because if I, I feel people can have a conscience and still let their desires overwhelm them. Okay, yes, but that that's that means that the conscience is weak and that's what he's saying. That's that's exactly it. Yes, uh, free will is always active in both in, in all cases yeah. here. So okay. yeah, they're saying they, you're saying they can still have a conscience. Well, of course, everybody has one at some point. Point it can be completely mal. Unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath. You, that's you, that's correct. And then it's malformed. You, yeah. Well, and then it's it's to Martin's point that, that you don't see people as real as right. anything other than so that's to an end. It's interesting. I wonder would you call that an absence of conscience? 
or is a con is, is a conscience an absolute that we all have and it's simply malformed? A discussion for another day, perhaps. Perhaps, but I think I think you can probably say that it's, I would fall on the absence of conscience because to yeah. me, a conscience is something that causes you to consider others. Right. So conscience, by definition, is positive. Yes. Yes. In some fashion. Yes. A yes. conscience lets you view others as your equal. At the very least, it causes you to question what you do. Yes. You you see them as you see that other person as having as much value as you feel you have. Well, that's the properly formed conscience. Right. You can still have gradations of that that, you know, we're we're willing because we do this all the time. We're we're willing to see the people like us as being that way, but those people over there, that's different. So that those per that person that thinks that way still has a conscience, but it's improperly formed because it's not universal. Yeah, and I think that's hard for us to get to that point, uh, especially throughout history, yeah. where we don't somehow make exceptions for well, except for those people. Uh, right, that's what I'm saying. That because the conscience causes you to to question. That's still a question. They're just coming and saying no for you, yes for me. That's right. Yeah. Whereas somebody without a conscience would just like, why is that even a question about the other? Well, yeah, they wouldn't even. The, yeah, the, that's the whole thing makes no sense. Right. And and we know, sociologically and psychologically, all and I hate to use the word normal, but I'll use it. Normal people would have a form of conscience within certain goalposts of validity, and those outside that would would not not have a conscience or not have a validly formed one uh both okay well, well you, yeah, you, yeah. You, can, you can say that well yeah. you know for sure it's either mal it's malformed or non-existent so okay so i'm coming around a little bit on this one then thinking about it some more and and, and reading it and again with mill the structure the way the words are ordered the clauses are all so important. Yep. His a real specificity of language. It's not because the man's desires are strong. Right. So there's there's no there's no there's nothing what's the Latin um, malum a, a priori malum in say yeah to having desires. There's nothing there's nothing yeah. evil about not having desires. Not. No. It's letting your desires overcome a weak conscience. That is that correct. Be that becomes the result. The result then becomes something ill. Now he does presume. This does presume. I think that everybody has a conscience. Yeah. Uh, which again, of course, back then they really would have had very little understanding of a true. Uh, sociopathic sociopath yes. or psychopath where where mental illness and all that sort of psychology yeah. and yeah, yeah. That, that's and, and he may be right he, you know you could you could say things like you know those who are that thing they still have a conscience it's just malfunctioning uh, it falls weak below a level it's yeah. it's weak to the point where it falls below a certain level I'm not sure about that uh, it could be so he's but kind he, of letting us off the hook as a species for strong desires. No, no, no. I don't see that at all. I think he's... But they're not the cause of problems. Oh, uh, A strong but, desire is not the cause of the problem. The weak conscience is. Well, that's that's what he's absolutely saying. Right. In, in his mind, 
a natural uh, the, the the conscience is naturally superior to the desire. It's only when it, it when it as it, it does not function properly. Is he really saying? I don't know. The quote says that. No. No. I, no. I mean, because it's supposed to be. Yeah. Teleologically I mean, speaking, it as is. it functions, it's supposed yeah. Again, to be. There's 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 no moral implication to the desire. The moral well, implication is on the conscience. Well, no, I, I don't think you can separate the two. Because... No. So, it, it's in the context of doing ill or doing wrong. Sin, law-breaking, whatever, however you want to put that right. doing wrong. It's, he's saying that people don't hurt one another um, because uh, it's... Because they have strong desires. Now, whether that's a desire to uh, to, to do harm to her, or not, it's because they they are not strong enough to resist the desires. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Because I, I to me that's where my mind takes it, and and it's those desires that are are bad. Because what if my desire is to, my primary desire is to take care of my family? Well, that's not do I don't do that because I I have a weak conscience. So I think it's the the weak conscience is specifically talking about the, right, but that's what uh, I mean. The the desire can be very morally neutral. It's the result it's not, it's, is well, not, and the result the according, of according the to Mill or the, the, the object of the desire is the result of the weird. conscience. Well, uh, according to Mill here, the desire itself is neither good nor bad; it's morally neutral. But the object of the desire. Or the motivation for the desire, or the application of the desire—that's where the immorality may lie. Right. Again, like Robert had mentioned before, because it's kind of presuming that, that the desire that he's talking desire, about is there. Yeah, the desire might be, like you say, take care of my family. But if, in a utilitarian John Stuart Mill sense, that means I have to hurt someone else. Uh, you know, get that guy fired with some trivial or, you know, some made-up thing so that I can get his position and have more money for my family. I let my mm-hmm. desire overcome my weak conscience and the result was something hurtful to someone else. Yet at the same time, there's that utilitarian good in that I got more money for my family and that was my desire. But he harmed someone else to do it. So, right. So, so yeah, that's that's right. So again, the desire was morally neutral. The desire yeah. was, well, I'd like to have more for my family. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But it, then the, 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 mora- the, the morality or immorality of a given action rests on those other issues. Yes. Well, very much because there is a uh, for mill for mill. For mill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there is a. Um, Go, school of thought that goes along with it, basically though the ends justify the means right so as long right. as the result is what matters then how you get there doesn't right again well, if you if you if you take Mill's premise with only the first portion and not the caveat of not doing but cost. that's where utilitarianism has gone though right that you know, they hear the right. first part again, and they you, you've made up that rumor about your boss being a pedo and got him fired so that you can have his position. Right. You, know, you won the Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. again, that the, the desire wasn't to get the boss fired. The desire was to get his job because it meant more money for your family. 
or just you know more perks for you, not even yeah. for your family. But I mean, that's the kind of ends justifies the means. The results are all that matter, and of course, the results are always the ones that you're interested in. Yeah, because well, that's the thing, and that's the core of the utilitarianism is the results are the only matter. Right, but so that's I think that's cherry picking the application of this quote. Yeah, I don't. I think you're because yeah. I think it's it's presupposing. In uh, uh, the opposite way yeah. that he is presupposing, because you're presupposing that it's going to be applied badly. Right. Well, I, I'm just stressing, though, that to me, my interpretation of Mill is desires are neutral. But conscience is not. Yes. Conscience is an arbitrator of good. I don't know that he. I don't know that he would say that desires are neutral because. You know, he has the higher pleasures and the lower pleasures. Uh, so yeah. I would say that he's... Because not all not all the desires yeah. would be neutral in that sense. So right. I think there is a hierarchy for him. Right. So therefore it is not neutral. But inside of the greatest happiness principle, that is the core of utilitarianism, here's the, you know, here's why this is so unfulfilling. And, you know, it's like you just want to shake this guy. Hey, dude, these things are... They're at opposite ends. They're this, you know. You say that about desires, and that, you know, desires don't cause ill things. Weak consciences do, but at the same time, you're up here with this, you know, the 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 ends are what's important, and the greatest happiness for the most people. Well, if well, that if that boss was a bachelor, and I have six people in my family. Getting rid of him and getting his job made six people happy and only one person unhappy. Well, yes, but there is still an ill that is a defined ill. That's you right. You have harmed yeah. that one person. That's right. You have, yeah. So, yeah. so it, I think if you take Mills out of this, if we had brought this quote to any other discussion, say it was done by anybody else, a moral theologian perhaps. Yeah. Because essentially what, what this is saying is that uh, when we give in to yeah. our worst natures, our fallen nature, is when we commit sin, is when we harm one another, when we do not respect the inherent dignity of the human person. Thank you, sir. It's because we have weak, you're welcome, it's because we have a weak, that's the weak conscience. So I think if you take Mills out of this context, which is what I think we are doing, as far as his other, on its own, this, this is a good quote to me. That's why I picked it. That's right. Yes, I think that's yes. Okay, I will. I will grant that. That on its surface, there's nothing here to disagree with. Prima facie, yes, as, as a sense. Prima facie, as as a as a statement, yes, the source of ill is the lack of a conscience. Right, because ill implies you have done something. Right, and you conscience harmed, is what you, you have caused a harm. To someone else, yeah, because desire, desire in this context is neutral. Yeah, in in, in this context, uh, that's right. Of course, we know it's 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 broader than that. Yeah, I, I tell you, folks, I don't know if I'd, I'd say it's neutral in this context, but I'm willing to move the discussion along. I right. will grant that, just because I don't know, it's not a hill I want to die on. Because desires, I don't think are neutral. And I think you're probably right in as far as Mill is concerned. When I mean, talk, in general, when he talks about desire, he's he is talking about 
again, those higher pleasures versus lower pleasures yeah. and all of yeah, that. It, it almost yeah, if, of, if if conscience has to be part of the equation, then by definition, the desires that are being put forth are problematic yeah. at best. No, I don't think so, because when the if the desire is an objective good, without any kind of yeah. harm, then so, conscience doesn't come into play. Though. No, it's not that it doesn't come into play. It's just that it's going to be an automatic that the conscience approves. So you don't even have to think twice about it, right? Yeah. So it's not that the conscience doesn't come into play. It's just that the if something is objectively good, it's already so aligned with a good conscience yeah. that there's no need to question it. Which is where I think the psychopaths come into play, is that they think their desires are automatically good, therefore they do not question whether or not they are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't mean that I'm saying that all objective good is, is actually right. uh, psychopathy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But or that, that psychopathies are, in, are incapable yeah. of performing the objective and goods. Again, right. We have 170 years more knowledge and study of human behavior since he made this quote to, where our understanding of being a sociopath or a psychopath right. is and, and just general understanding that there's of mental health, mental health, yeah, psychology, sociology, psychology, psychiatry, so all of these things, all that comes after him. So all he, comes he after could him. Not yes. I still, and I, I want to before we go on to yours. Just Matthew Martin. Arnold, I think, is is a contemporary, and he's just beginning the science of sociology at that point. Uh, actually, he's not the originator of that term. Uh, uh, Cot is. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was Comte, but apparently the M is silent. So it's caught or quote, because I did yeah. a because it was yeah. there's actually a pronunciation uh, link. And it's yeah. like, oh, that M is not, is silent. Yes. Uh, but August Augusta Comte is how we would normally think of saying it as C O M T E. Yes. He yeah. actually he's coined. French. Yes. He coined the term sociology and came up yeah. with that. And I'm uh, sure yeah. He speaks with an Asian accent. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, King. they would be a contemporary again. Matthew Arnold. There's yeah, yeah. The, There's some of the beginners of that whole social science idea. Yeah, that's all the beginning, but uh, we're probably you know, pummeling the expired equine here. Yeah, we've got, you know what, we need to get moving here. I was going to say, uh, yes, skip Kevin, a bit, we'll brother. take over and we'll, we'll go ahead. Very good, very well done, An Interesting sir. discussion. It's one where we did not come to a, a general agreement on the quote. Each I mean, of us brought something I'm that we disagreed there. with the other on. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting there, I'm getting to where you guys are, I see the value of it. I, I just still see a little bit of a naivete to it. But... In his... Particular context, yeah. yes. Yeah, um, but I, I do, like I said, I, the, Although, the stress being for him, it seems the desires are morally neutral. I still don't know that I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We each but disagree him, with him, but for we, him, yeah, even so, yeah. Continue, continue. Okay, so that would make it my turn. So let me find mine that I picked out. All right. So this is also from On Liberty. A state which dwarfs its men in order that they may be more docile instruments in its hands, even for beneficial purposes, will find that with small men no great thing can really be accomplished. It's a great quote. It is. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, In other words, uh, the purpose is docility in the population. Right. That, well, 
when you your first grab is this is a strong statement against a large powerful government it's a pro small government libertarian position but at the same time he was not really a quote small government advocate no um, and at the same time then too I find the part about uh, let me make sure I get this right that with small men, no great thing can really be accomplished. What's the great thing you're looking to accomplish? Well, that's what I'm saying. Docility sounds to me like it's what he's after. Uh, but, you know... Which is, you know, peace. For him... Peace! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, oh, road, sanitation, yeah, Reg. Um, I mean, what the city used to be like. Yeah. The great thing for him, I mean, when you think about his... His milieu again is Britain's the greatest thing that's ever existed, even surpassing Rome, because okay. they they rule the world and they're at the height. And if you're British, your shit don't stink. Was that such a great thing to accomplish? For Actually, I think probably a better quote would be: If you're British, your teeth are still good. It's like, well, we know that's objectively not true. Yeah. It's, I just, uh, you know... No offense to the Brits. I, I'm sorry. That was just a bad stereotype. That, that a state which dwarfs its men will find that with small men, no great thing can really be accomplished. So I'm, I'm carving out... The part about facility. Yeah, I'm carving out the qualifier. A state which dwarfs its men will find that with small men, no great thing can really be accomplished. In other words, no matter how powerful you are as a state... You cannot control small-minded people. No, I, I no. Think he's saying no. You know, no. I, I don't. A, a uh, super totally powerful weird. state. Even if you, even if the idea of adding power to the state is for the benefit uh-huh. of others, uh-huh. which again is going to be something that old libertarian Martin's going to recoil from. But I, I want to focus on this part. No great thing can really be accomplished. Well, who's to say what's great, too? The state. Well, that's the implication right. here. But see, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying because in the end, all three of us would agree with what he's saying in that yes. you cannot have the whole be more important to the exclusion of the individual and still have the whole be great. Right. Again, on its surface... This is a tremendous statement for individual liberty, for small government, for limited power of the government. But I think his reason for seeking that limit is very faulty. Which so what 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 are you saying? Seeking seeking to do something great. Who cares if you do something great as a nation? As long as you're protecting the individual liberty of your citizenry. The, the purpose of a government isn't to do something great. The purpose of the government is to protect the rights and liberties of the citizenry. That's what you're saying or that's what he's saying? So I'm saying. Would you, so sorry, I, I, are I, you I, saying, because this is very much a, uh, a Mills thing, uh, as well, because he, he liked the idea of using the state to do good things, uh, would you strike out, promote the general welfare? No. From our found- ah! 
the promote, promote the general, general welfare, meaning set economic conditions wherein people can have private property. So I don't know that most people would, would and I don't even know that the founders would have defined promote the general welfare that way. Um, but that it's that because yeah. that's a, a good philosophical yeah, right. discussion it's, itself. This, you know, it's like one of these things. A state which dwarfs its men in order to that they may be more docile instruments in its hands, even for beneficial purposes. All that's awesome. But then I think he, he his his end result of a no that small man no great thing can be accomplished. Is that the whole point? Well, well I mean, well, certainly... It, it's certainly what it says that, in the quote. Yeah. The I whole mean, purpose of dwarfing is for docility. Right. right. That's, the, that's what he's saying. Right. Is, I don't think you can take that middle part out like you want to. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that the whole point of dwarfing is to promote docility. However, with small-minded people... You're never and, going to go to the moon. Well, is that what he's saying? Or is he saying that it's impossible to completely make small-minded people docile? I don't think he, I don't no, no, see where you're no, getting no, the no. small-minded part. It's small. What? That's what it. No, what, I don't think that's what, what it says at all. No, that's not. He's saying that if you dwarf your populace, even if you think you're doing something for them, yeah. what you will find is docile people won't accomplish anything great. Right, because. No, go ahead. No. So, a state which dwarfs its men in order that they may be more docile instruments, uh, even for beneficial purposes. Yeah, right? okay. So, it's saying, even a state which dominates the individual. Right. So, the ideal. So, think of uh, Soviet Union under Stalin. Yeah, okay. Right, which was supposed to be for their benefit. Right. We'll find that with small men, which. Basically, what they're saying with dominated men, you can't do anything great. So, a state. We all think that our government, that our country is should be great. Well, how do we define great? I think your definition was just everybody, leaving everybody alone so they can do what they want with as long as they're great hurt, enough. Is well, see, I don't think I don't think that's a definition. I, that's a very poor. Right. I don't. I think most people would say it's a very poor definition of great. Yeah. So, for instance, I mean, under your definition. We would never have gone to the moon, yeah, because that was a government-led endeavor, and I don't think at the time a private endeavor could have done it. Right, and, and, and I'm not sure that a private endeavor could do it today if right. the government hadn't done it first. Right, and, and implicit in what he's talking about is the concept of imagination. Yeah, to right. to, to accomplish something great. You've got to be able to imagine that great result. And imagination and only a, exists in the in the context of freedom. And right. And if you're small-minded, well, let's you're, not, and stop, 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 stop. Stop using that term. Small-minded is not in the quote. Docile is not, does not necessarily mean small-minded here. I think what he's talking about when in the facility, small men, yeah, small yeah, well, men, not small-minded. It's men who are or women, uh, siblings. Siblings uh, who are unwilling or unable to take a risk, unwilling or unable to speak out, unable to see, unable, unable to imagine the risk, unable or unwilling to take any kind of a risk because the consequences 
are so great. So even better than, than uh, Soviet Russia under Stalin, Winston in 1984, you know, he's that one guy who, even in a small way, is bucking the system. Yeah. yeah. And of course, he is greatly harmed for that. That's yeah. right. All right. So everybody else has already become docile. Right. Right. Uh-huh. We would never call that Britain, because that's Britain. That's right, yes. Um, we would never call that Britain great or capable of greatness, just like he's saying, because greatness, well, yeah, it does require imagination. To me, it's, it's not about imagination or having minds that are large as opposed to small. It's about being able to take that risk, to be willing yeah. to, to take that risk. Yeah. And yeah, there is an element of imagination there, but Winston, you can make the argument that he really didn't take much of a risk. Because what was his rebellion? Finding this little nook in his apartment that he thought was not seeable by the, the cameras that were recording everything and keeping a secret journal. That's not really much of a freaking risk, you know? I mean, yes, it was because he was having thoughts. Because remember, they had thought police. The police, that's great, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in a way, it was a risk, but not really. It wasn't the kind of risk that was changing, capable of changing society. Only his and that's, place in it. Right. <laughs> From a personal standpoint, it's highly risky, but... Right, but it's not societal changing risk. And a right, docile yeah. man cannot change society. And a docile man cannot do great things because he cannot change society. So you're so you're saying that small men, in his quotation, is a means, the result of the state dwarfing and making them docile. In other words, yes. Uh, right, so you say the docile being made more docile equivocates in the end to small men. Yes, it's the product. Small men are the product. Of the right. dwarfing, whereas yes. I was taking it the small men pre-existed the docility and no, are thereby no, immune no. to all I, the I, attempts to is. make it. Well, see, that's right. uh, that, I, I'm right. reading this carefully. It could mean that I don't think so, but I, I, I understand we, we're, we're disagreeing on right. that. But if you read it that way, that small men pre-exist and are themselves immutable. I'm not reading it that way. I, I don't see I, how I, you I'm get that. I really yeah. don't. Again, my deal I'm is In other words, the state, all the this, states, in, all the power of the state can do everything it could, and still some people will not be changed. That's how I'm reading it. No. no. That's not what Bill means. I, honestly, I, I really... Uh, to, to a degree, I mean, this... I, I, again, I, I, a lot of this is awesome. Yeah. And Some my, people are my, so stupid they can't be changed no matter what... My, that's uh, not what I'm saying. Up, up to a point, I love what Mill's doing here. It's almost Orwellian. A state yes. which dwarfs its men. That's what my point. Yeah, <laughs> in order that they may be more docile instruments, even for beneficial purposes, will find that with small men, no great thing can be accomplished. It's all, it's it's almost a very Reaganite statement as well. Yes. You know, dude, we can't. The government can't be so big that it crushes the imagination of the of the people. That's what he's guarding against. Yeah. But Which, at the same time, small. That's how you define small men. He's, is the, he's is the, the product. He's 
he's a member of that government that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he's well, advocating for it to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Let's 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 take a step back. Maybe you can understand it better this way, or take less issue with it this way, because I think it's this might be also a terminology issue for you. Yeah. When he says a state, we automatically think government. Yeah. I don't think that's necessarily the oh, truth here. He may be thinking a general political entity regardless of its yes, form of government. Exactly. For him, a state could very well, and I think probably does, I'm not 100% sure, but given the time when they talked about the state, they meant the country. Yeah. yeah. Now, part and parcel of the the domination will be the power of government. Orwell changed our perception of that term. Yes. Oh, no question. From That's state right. to government. Yes. You're very perceptive, You're talking Robert. When you say state, very, very when he says Robert. state here, that could mean a condition of, condition yeah, the, uh, right, of, right. of the and state it, of existence. Right. And I want to stress... Mm, you no, I think he still means... He still means the a political, political geopolitical entity. entity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it's right. hard to separate government from that. Right. Which is... Kind of the point here. Could be, it's kind of part again, what I, what I mentioned Could Reagan, be social or societal. Is that Reagan? Reagan? Yes. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, he would pull that out of the Orwellian context and go back to a mill yeah. definition. He would say our nation. He yes. wouldn't say the state. Reagan would say our nation. If our nation has a government that does everything, even in this benevolent sense, we'll never accomplish anything great. Right. It's it, it's kind of a... Uh, right. So a, I'm seeing this quote through Orwellian glasses. Yes. And taking an issue when maybe I shouldn't. Exactly. And giving a pass on the idea of what that great thing to accomplish was. For America, that great thing to accomplish was going to the moon, rescuing Europe and the world from World War II and Nazis. And just say, okay... Fighting the, the Soviet communism. Right. For him, it was making the British Empire enormous. And the sun never set, and that greatness of the British Empire, give him a pass on that end of it. I don't know if I have to give him a pass on that part of it, but I think just understanding yeah. what he means by the state um, well, changes. Yes. There, there, there's an Orwellian morphing of that phrase, the state, but also... I want to squeeze a little bit on the idea of accomplishing something great. Yeah, you know what? Uh, what you know what the British accomplished as for being great was colonialism and imperialism. Yes. You know. Well, yeah. well it's, okay. So look at it this way. Yeah. You're, so you're what if the great things as a broad interpretation? Well, what if the great be, thing we're talking about is ending slavery? Oh, well, that's very good. Very perceptive. So assuming great things truly means moral things for the sake of the argument. Yes. Yes, I would say so. Yes, and he's right. I mean, the liberty of the people to imagine... Uncle Bosco and Nephew Nemo have joined us. So I was hoping this would happen. You are such a... a... Second daughter has uh, rescued Nemo. And he's, what, a year and a half? A little over a year and a half old. Dare should we say found Nemo? Uh, yes, she has found her Nemo, and he is a bagel, a bagel, part, uh, part beagle, part, part basset, basset, and boy, you can see the basset in that long back. Yes, and he's got the very short legs, 
And he's adorable. He's a very cuddly dog. He loves to sit in your lap and lick you or lay up against you when you're trying to sleep and give off like 100 degrees of heat. And he's just very adorable. Now, Uncle Bosco, uh, because, you know, he's, uh, uh, you know, if if Nemo is her child, then Bosco would be ours. So they would be, you know, uncle to nephew. Uh, he's not entirely enamored of his nephew. No, they have learned to tolerate one another, though, or he's learned to tolerate Nemo a little. And uh, he's still, you know, they don't play together, but they can coexist. Well, this is his castle. Yeah, well, yes. And he has been invaded. He, yes, that is very much how he thinks of it. They will learn to get along and learn to appreciate each Peaceful other. Peaceful coexistence. Uh, yes. Because everyone. Wilson and Penny do more and more all the time. Oh, that's great. Even though Wilson's so much bigger, mm-hmm. it's easy for him to dominate. That's kind of a similar dynamic, yeah. yeah. Only the other way around. Him. Wilson has started to like flop over. What was that? Bosco really likes it because Nemo is a very delicate eater. So to get them both to come in, I gave them treats. Well, Nemo eats his in several pieces and they fall. So Bosco technically stole half of Nemo's because he's so delicate. But that meant more for him. So he likes that part. Yeah. Yes, and then, of course, Bosco does lo- love to say hello and sniff. Uh, that's always fun. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Nemo's. Yes. takes many forms. Yes. You're a good puppy, aren't you? Well, you're not a puppy. He's, he is fully grown. He'll be two in February. Yes. So it's nice to say hello to Nemo. Introduce him to the podcast. All right. Uh, so, oh boy. All back, right. So, back to Mills. Well, we got to right, go barbecue so, right now. Yes, yes. Well, have we, have we sufficiently covered? Yes, I would think you, so. Um, well, yeah. unless we want this thing to go three hours. Yeah. We probably, yeah. Yes. I, I, we hammered on mine. We hammered on Francis. So bourbon break real quick. All right. I am uh, doing some of Robert's Four Roses small batch. Ah, yes. It's been stuff. a long time since I had any Four Roses. I wanted to be reminded of it. And uh, very mellow, super mm-hmm. mild, um, awesome. Little sweetness, mm-hmm. very nice. I, I find that the the best bourbons are a really good blend of that sweetness and that smokiness, uh, which you know you should get a good sense of that char. It doesn't have to be overpowering, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the whole point of the bourbon is that it, it's aged in those charred barrels. Yeah, so you should get some smoke and char. Uh huh. Uh, a little sweetness out of that wood, and then I very much prefer a nice, mellow, mild. Yes, the yeah. smooth. Uh, to me, it's all about what smooth is what is smooth. And, smooth. And now, I do like the occasional, uh, uh, you know, the Devil's Cut because uh, it's just a, it's a, it's different. It's not what I'm drinking today, but uh, I considered it because I hadn't had it in a while. What did you pour, Francis? Uh, for Old Forester 100 proof. Ah, it is excellent. Stuff. Mellow, Another. in the mouth. Uh, excellent, as always. Yes. So uh, I went back to the Basil Hayden today there you uh, go. for this one, because I hadn't had, hadn't had that in a little while, although probably show-wise it's been relatively recent, but uh, uh, time-wise it's been a little bit. And uh, you know, it, the Basil Hayden, of course it is the family bourbon, as we like to say. Indeed, uh, Indeed for, it is. Uh, for yes. Francis, it is the great, great, is it three greats or two greats? Oh, no, five. Five greats. Yeah, five greats, yeah, okay. Yeah, way back. Oh, wow, even, even farther. So five great-grandfather, uh-huh. uh, uh, co-founder of the distillery that produced, ultimately now produces it. But That's uh, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bean product. But yes, that uh, they go back to him as, as their heritage. He is old granddad. 
I mean, that's a bust of him, supposedly. Oh, there. really? Yeah. The Basil Hayden? Yeah, that is Basil Hayden. That's oh, great. I did not realize yeah, so that. So, old granddad is sort of mine, too. But, uh, so but the, the name, of course, comes directly from the direct ancestor. From the direct ancestor himself, who was uh, the leader of the, one of the first Catholic groups to come down here. In fact, it's tied to church history locally because he was the one that deeded the land to the first church, Catholic church, here in this new wilderness of, at the time, it would be, it would have been, well, it's currently Marion County, it would have been Washington at the time, uh, Holy Cross Church, which is still in existence. Oh, uh, excellent. The, the, the land is. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually had to rebuild the church uh, oh, in 1863. That's the, oh, how old the one that is now. The original one was a log cabin. Right. And if you go into their cemetery at the very back, they've got a big stone platform that marks the original location. Nice. Uh, nice. And, my, my, and uh, several of my ancestors from the 1700s and 1800s are buried there. Yeah. Wow. So the Basil Hayden, uh, this is one of the very smooth ones. Um, you know, you get a little bit of that flavor on the tongue, but really uh, it's it's the Kentucky Hug, as I've talked about the last time. Um, very smooth and just a wonderful warmth that uh, you get down the throat and really in, into the stomach is where you really get that warmth. So it's, it's a great hug in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just cannot say enough about this. You know, it's the first one that we've ever really uh, tasted together. So, if, if for no yes. other reason, yes. that's a which you no, know, that's been thirty years. Thirty yes, years yes, next yes. week, yes, election yes. day. Oh, yeah. nineteen ninety-two was I when we I first that. Uh, partook of this together. Yeah. Of course, that was back in our pagan days when we mixed uh, uh, Coke with it before we knew any better. That's I, right. I, I, I freely admit, and I repent of my sin. That's, you know, that's, uh, for everything, there's a first yes. time, Lieutenant. Yes, yes, there you go. So, that's But it has a nice smoky uh, uh, aftertaste on the tongue to go with that, uh, which I think is, is interesting. Because, again, maybe this is the not having the soft drinks for a year. Uh, but this, I think, I pick out far more than I used to, uh, getting that, that smokiness on the tongue after it's already having that hug yes. in the stomach. And honorites, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but finally... Yes. Our man Francis has joined us in eschewing the uh, sugary drinks. Yeah, absolutely. He has given up soft drinks entirely, and you have lost 13 pounds to date, you said. That's about right, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That is phenomenal, sir. I, I high yeah, five. Uh, we're, we're very, very happy for you. Thank you for that. That me on that one. Well, you know, you just kind of, you just, well, we all understand the, pro- the preeminent position of free will yes. in all this. And well, that's what I decided. No, I think I'm going to do that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, I know I, why. I, yes, this is very this is a very sad story, but a very poignant story. That's, well, I mean, part of it was that I recognized. Yes, uh, I went to the doctor. I weighed more than I liked, uh, I, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But uh, I had an encounter with uh, my mother uh, at one, uh, and I must, maybe it's been a holiday or something. Uh, I think maybe it's my daughter's birthday. Well, it was in the last, what, six weeks, Yeah, wasn't it? it must have been my daughter's Because you mentioned the last time we were together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, uh, I was with, uh, I guess it was for a, a birthday celebration. It was for my nephews. That's who it was. And my mother was there, and she calls me that next week, leaves it on a voicemail because I didn't pick up immediately, and calls me back two days later to tell me directly that I am too fat and I must lose weight. So, I tell you, that was it's not, bad when your mom says, "Son, you're fat. You gotta lose weight." That's but right. who else can tell you that except your mom and your wife? Yeah, that's correct. Well, yeah, my mother has no filter these days. Yeah. So that's where we kind of let well, go. Uh, it really, I had already made the decision 
yes. by that time because I didn't like where my weight was. Uh, it's just one more pylon, I suppose, uh, to make yeah. things go the way they went. Well, I, I want you to know that as your friend, I'm thrilled for you and safeguarding your health isn't just important to you, it's important to us. Well, of course. Yep. I mean, yep. yes. You know, we all you wish know. to do and be good and, stewards. And, and brotherly love. Right, because, you know, I've said this many times about my own weight and the reason why I want to lose weight. Besides, see, he does not like that door to be closed. He wants the option to go... I'll let him out. He comes right back in. How yep. you doing, buddy? It's like Godfather, you know? Once out, but then he gets pulled right back in. Very good. Um, Very good quote, yes. But... Uh, yeah, he's, he just does not like to have that, that door closed uh, when he's when he wants to go back and forth. If you would just go push the door closed a little bit, we'll let him out again Yeah. Uh, when it's uh, yeah. time. Right, uh, yes, that was Bosco returning to the... Um, hang out, Bosco. But anyways, as I've said many times about my own weight, is that you know one of the things that has uh, became very clear when I was doing uh, nursing home ministry, uh, which was that you know not a whole lot of fat people in the nursing homes getting up to advanced stages... Yeah. You know, fat people don't live long. They, they, they go. They, and they go. that's one of my impetuses. And uh, I mentioned to you guys this morning at uh, Sister Beans, the new official uh, coffee house, because we no longer have an official breakfast place that we can go to in, in uh, Biscuit Belly, because the one close by my house has closed. Yes, yes. A lament for the closure of Biscuit Belly. At Colonial is, Gardens. Yes, that is adjacent to Studio R. We, yes, we it's very you, sad. We hardly knew ye. So uh, so now our official morning uh, uh, spot is uh, Sister Beans, which we've talked about before. Locally owned, man, wonderful was, business. Man, that was a potent cup of coffee this morning. Yes. I appreciated the full flavor. Of I knew you would like it because uh, Biscuit Belly got their coffee from Sister Beans. So, And I, I know like you that. talked about uh, how much you liked the coffee at uh, yes. Biscuit Belly. I like the, the good flavor of the, uh, just give it to me, the straight black coffee. I love it. Black and bitter like your soul. Yes, black and bitter <laughs> like my soul. But it had a good flavor, and I enjoyed it, did, it yes. very much this morning. And uh, little Heitzman pastries yes. were good. Another locally owned. So yeah. we you know, love the Heitzman. local stuff. Love Heitzman it. bakeries. Um, so, yeah, we um, very pleased that you have uh, taken And I have uh, rededicated myself to my lap band protocols. My doctor talked me back into it because I was going to have the band emptied because I was having so many issues with, um, with the... Um, uh, reflux, and of course, he just removed a little bit of, of the liquid. And oh my gosh, you know the relief is is immediate. Uh, so I'm having to stick with it because especially now there's even less there. I've got to be more careful. Understood. So, and you're having some other health challenges we won't go into. And we. But yes, it looks we, like I will be undergoing the knife very soon. Yes. Uh, I don't know the exact details, so, but uh, you know, hopefully that will go well. Nothing yeah. life threatening currently, so. I'm sure it'll go awesome. Yes, I'm sure it will too. Uh, you know the, the. I just I I want you guys to know that it means a lot to me, your friendship and that you're going to be around for a while. God willing. So and the, and creek, the creek don't, don't rise. rise. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jinx, show me a non-coke beverage. Yeah. How like high's the water, Mama? <laughs> that's right. So, uh, uh, a, a toast to your health, both uh, both of you. And, how much it yeah, it's mostly water these I, days. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thrilled that you're you're taking on the uh, the challenges here. I, 
have to do more for mine. Sugar is a, it causes inflammation. It's amazing how yeah. little there is of that yeah. when you when you avoid as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, I mean, sugar is a wonderful thing, but it also well, so much a, of what we eat has too much of the bad sugar in it, anyways. Like yeah. the processed corn syrup and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and especially that's in the in the soft drinks. Yes, the yeah. more the more. I, I I know sweet is so appealing, but. Try to push sweet out of your diet if you can. Now, I freely admit, I still have my uh, non-sugar-based, uh, zero-calorie uh, caramel shots that I put in my coffee every morning. Uh, second daughter, who uh, Nemo's mom, has introduced me to this uh, oh, caramel yeah. oat milk that I put in my coffee. Yeah, that's good stuff. And it is very good, uh, which is probably my, my one big... Uh, calorie drink, which I know my my doctor would be very yeah. upset with me uh, having that. It was like, dude, you know, cut me some slack. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, candy, uh, yeah. the the non dairy fake ice cream. You know, I still love that stuff. I still gotta have some sweet every once in a while, but sugar is an enemy. It, it, it really is. is. Yeah, especially really the is. the the processed. Uh, you yeah. know, almost all processed food is bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, avoid but, the desserts, the occasional strawberry milkshake. That's about it. Oh, yeah. I did have a strawberry milkshake yesterday after getting back from uh, the test because uh, had, I had to have no food or drink oh, yeah. after midnight, even yeah. though I was not going to growing the knife yesterday. Yeah. I was so hungry and thirsty, but I was also so out of it because of the slight bit of morphine that I had uh, to relax me for that particular yeah. test that... I was like, oh, just you give was me relaxing something. all over the place. Well, but I was also a bit, almost a bit queasy on the way home, so I was like, just... Rather than lunch, just give me a strawberry milkshake, and I will have that, and then take a four-hour nap. You know the oddball thing, I, this is, I know, insane, but when I don't feel well, or I've had something done like that, or, mm-hmm. you know, the, ugh, coming from tests or hospital, um, the thing that sets me right that I crave the most is an Arby's roast beef sandwich. Oh. So, it's like... I'm that, liking it. That just makes me feel right. It's one of the, somehow that has become comfort food. The little bit of salty to the roast beef mm-hmm. and all that and that bun. Well, I tell you what, that that is a it is definitely a comfort food and Arby's roast beef because you know, you very rarely get one that is cold. Yeah. So you know nothing worse than getting something that should be hot and it comes in cold. It, it's just the right amount of spicy or right. not spicy but salty. Flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I prefer mine with horsey sauce. See, that's just... Uh, I don't I, like to overpower yeah. myself. But, but no, horsey sauce is awesome. And, and But plain or with horsey, either way, that that's kind of my... If I were in that spot, milkshake? Nope. Give me a... Stop well, by Arby's. Yes, you have your dietary issues with milkshakes. <laughs> but so stop yeah, by Arby's and yeah, get yeah. me... But yeah, I mean, every time I've been ill or, or had something done or whatever... The Mrs. Martin runs and knows to get me a, an Arby's roast beef, and that'll yep. get me right. Yep. So uh, let's turn your quotes, guys. Oh, so repeat them before I do mine. No, okay. A state which dwarfs its men in order that they may be more docile instruments in its hands, even for beneficial purposes, will find that small men, no great thing can really be accomplished. So you can't go to the moon if your government's too big. Even though it took a big government to go there. Yeah. Although it's not nearly as big as it is today. But it's not a government that dominated 
the people with the imagination. Yeah, he's not yes. talking about size here. Yeah, he's talking. He's about, not talking about. He's not talking about despotism. Because I'm say that's really what we're. What we well, think I mean, well, he is. But he's, no, I mean that can do great things. Yes. Despotism is what yeah. prevents. When, great when he things. says yes. government that dwarfs, that's code for despotism. Yes, which can be in the form of a single tyrant sure. or a system. That's yes. correct. Although usually they, they both go yes. hand in hand. I mean, the, yes, the Soviet Union didn't send anybody to the moon. No matter how much they tried to copy us, right? They didn't do they it. They may have gotten into space first, but we far surpassed them very quickly. Yes. Francis? Uh, my quote was, It is not because men's desires are strong that they act ill. It is because their consciences are weak. Right. Right, because they do not have the moral fortitude to... To not do evil. To hold their desires at bay. Yes. To give in to their yeah. inner demons. Yes. And our, our rattle that we kicked around and couldn't conclude on was that desires are morally neutral. Right. Because I think that, and I think the church would agree, certain desires are not morally neutral. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not doubting that desires themselves are or are not. I was speaking of what Mill means. Right, and I'm not entirely sure that he... Yeah, and that's here in lies the race. Yes, the unresolved portion of our discussion. We couldn't quite come to equanimity. Right, one of the rare things we did not end up in agreement on, total agreement on. So that that was actually great because it gave for a very great debate and was very much Millsian in the sense that you know, he thinks that there should be a dissenter. I think he would be very much in line with the... One of my uh, guiding principles in meetings is that if everybody votes yes on something, even if I agree with it, I will vote no. There you Just because I'm principal, I don't think you should ever have a unanimous vote. That's very Mill, uh, John Stuart Mill. Yes. He, he loves the idea of the dissenting voice in the wilderness. Yes. yes. And, and it's being, required. And, and, it's, and it being validated. Yes. Yes. In some fashion. Yes. yes. Don't, don't ever... A mill, a mill point is don't ever... Yes, if everybody agrees, that. we're in trouble. Yeah, that... Yeah. And I think that's. I think most of us would agree with that. Well, extremists would not, because extremists always want everybody to agree with them. All right. Well, I'm going to so, make a. I'm going to make a captain statement real fast for you. Sure. Even if you don't manage to hammer this all together, I know you still have an awesome quote. So go for it. All right. So this is also from On Liberty. So we, not surprisingly, that's yeah, where we have drawn all of our quotes from. It's, it's well, dynamic. I think for us specifically, it's not surprising that's where we would go. Yeah. Even despotism does not produce its worst effects so long as individuality exists under it. And whatever crushes individuality is despotism by whatever name it, be, may, it may be called. And whether it professes to be enforcing the will of God or the injunctions of men. lot to unpack here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very Orwellian, you know. Because um, the, first, the first two parts, because there's really three parts to this uh, at least, uh, it, it kind of contradictory, which I recognize. It says, even despotism does not produce its worst effects. In other words, even despotism is not at its worst. Yeah. As long as individuality exists under it. But, then he says, but whatever crushes individuality is despotism. Right. So I think that could mean and, that and, they're not mutually exclusive, right. but if you do crush individuality, you are a despot. Yeah. And, and the Orwellian yeah. jump is... Despotism can't help but can tr- crush individualism. Right. Because then it 
it won't survive well, if it doesn't. Well, well I, no, he, no, I think he's, he's saying that he's not saying because no, but but Orwell, the Orwellian Orwell Orwell judge, would, yes, yes, he yes. Would despotism it, yes. always crushes individuality. Well, he was saying, he was saying it's possible for it not to, but uh, right, because he's also coming from a, a time when when uh, monarchs were still not they're not the power that they are today, right? But but monarchs could still have. Power, right, which right. is in a form of despotism. Right. Mill cannot imagine the modern, mechanized, industrial despotism that that would eventually come to dominate. Well, that's Dewey, and that's next episode. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. So uh, when it gets to that point. So, uh, but yeah, he's, you're right here that uh, oh my God. for 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 Mill. Crushing individuality is the ultimate sin. Um, I don't know about ultimate, but definitely in the context of this Certainly quote, one of definitely. Certainly yeah, one of them, yeah. yeah. Certainly so, a, and, an ultimate sin. So right, the, and I think that is very much uh, true. And, and, I, also, and I think it goes really well with Martin's quote, mm-hmm. uh, especially. Um, kind of tangentially, uh, I think with with uh, yours, Francis, Um Yours was the, uh, which one was this? Conscience. Uh, weak conscience. Oh, yes, 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 the weak conscience. Yes, because your quotes are both around mine. Um, yeah, I know, they both, they can't stand for the door to be closed. They, they need to be, oh, there we go, and Bosco is going to follow Nemo. Well, go on, Bosco, go I on. I don't think Nemo wants to be separated from Mama. Well, there's a lot to that, too. Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't want to be. Go ahead and shut it. Even though I was hugging and loving on him, he wanted to go outside. Yeah. So um, despotism, I think, is something that uh, you know we talk about quite a bit, whether we call it despotism or not, uh, mm-hmm. because it is a tyranny. Despotism is. is a form of tyranny. It, it is. is probably the primary form of tyr- tyranny that we think of. Uh, it is because you know, it, it implies one man with a vision, or it, an, an oligarchy. It could be an oligarchy. It could be. That's correct. Because uh, you can argue that we have a tyranny today, because there is an oligarchy that runs things. Yeah. Okay. And, and in many ways, it is tyrannical, especially on the societal side. There is an oligarchy that that is driving uh, the societal desire to crush, Dissenting and kill, yeah. maim, and destroy anything that that dissents. And that is a crushing of individual liberty. Yeah, Mill would be all over that in right. opposition. And because to me, why this? Why I like this one because this is a very verbose way of saying uh, what is evil is that which whatever system is evil is that which does not respect the inherent dignity of the human person. Mm-hmm. That is crushing individuality. Right. Yeah, with, with yeah, which regard with regards to speech in particular. I don't think in, in particular that here. But it's inclusive of that, certainly. Yes, so yes. Mill would be absolutely anti-cancel culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, there, yes. No question. Because his point he, was he, that he no matter... He considered that a moral evil. Yes, no matter how, so, yeah, yeah, how sure. horrible something He's, somebody said was, they still had to be allowed to say it because it was important not to have everybody yes. think the same thing. must not be crushed. Individual. Yeah, I mean, he's very anti-conformity. Yeah. Yes. Well, and he's, more, but and he's also he's, very pro-diversity. Yes. It's hugely so. That's the irony of things. He's very much pro-diversity of thought. That's right. And the best kind of diversity. And it, that is the best kind of diversity. Yes. Uh, All ideas are because welcome. Even the stupid ones. Even the stupid ones. Because yeah. honestly, the stupid ones are welcome so that we can point out those are stupid so that we don't do them again. Well, that's... 
I mean, I mean, there's a that's one of the reasons why it's important not to totally erase all vestiges of past evils. Because if you do that, you are more likely to repeat those evils in yeah. some way. Not necessarily the exact same evils. Right. No. But you are more like more than likely to repeat those evils on others. And that's that that's important. So, um, and I think that it is when we give in to that sort of thing, that when we want to crush that individuality, that is our weak consciences. That is us saying we are more important oh, than yeah, the absolutely. other. Yeah. That is a to me that's a weak conscience, not a strong one. Not oh, absolutely, str- yeah. yeah. When we are driven to destroy that which is different from us. I mean, that's, that is the that is the epitome of a weak conscience. Well, and it's also the epitome of racism, sexism, whatever isms that you want to talk about. Right, and we it is the heart of destroy that which is different. That's what tribalism is what it is. We've talked yes. about the evils of that. Isms are not good. That's, that's correct. That's right. It's because I don't believe in isms. I only believe in me. And yeah. after all, he was the walrus. I could be the walrus. I still have to bum rides off of people. That's right. <laughs> Uh, John Stuart Mill to Ferris Bueller. Uh, gotta I love think it. it would be very and, and to the Beatles to, to, to Ferris Bueller. Yes, or Ferris think, Bueller to the Beatles. I think it would be very interesting, and someone probably has done it, but a study of Mill's relation to Orwell. Oh, and, and I guess because being such an Orwell fan. I see that in these mill quotes. Well, you're actually kind of coming about from because Orwell was later. Yes, much, you, much, much, or, much later. What, what did Orwell take from Mill? Right, that's, that's what that's, I mean. Yeah, that's what I know. It's you, you'd be studying Orwell, Mill's in, influence in the on Orwell. context of Mill's influence. Now, clearly, Orwell has real life influence. That's you know amplifies Mill right. to a degree, and again. Every time we've talked about all these mill things, I'm seeing them through that Orwell lens. But, you know, he lived through this huge paradigm uh, crushing individualism. He lived through the Spanish Civil War and discovering that. Yes, yes, you know, discovering that uh, you could be on the left, but you're not left enough unless you're conforming to these other guys and I gotta get out of here or they'll kill me and I'm on their side. He lived through Nazism and the dehumanizing effects of these ideologies. But it 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 would be interesting to see and and I I've I've never read anything about this, but there there's just feels like there is a tie here. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if there's been a, a Academics, although surely there has. Surely there has. I uh, just did a quick Google search, and there's there's been some articles linking Mill and Orwell uh, in terms of, and specifically in terms of cancel culture. Yeah. Because uh, you know we. It'd be a or, in modern perspective. Yeah. Right. You know we think of Orwellian uh, uh, ideas when it comes to speech, you know, as uh, uh, peace through uh, strength. Right. You know, is one of the classic one from the eighties, but. That's actually to me. That's not Orwellian. To me, that's that's the way peace does work. Yeah, you know, that's a natural that's a, truism. A Roman, yeah, yeah, all the way from. But you know, uh, Orwell's uh, you know Big Brother and all of that. Uh, of course, the, you know Apple's uh, 1984 commercial is a great uh, example of the individual uh, 
not being suppressed, having that bravery to take a risk. That's a that's a probably even better than than Winston. Uh, yeah, railing again, you know, because uh, that person really did take a risk, throwing that uh, that sledgehammer at the screen of, of Big Brother. Not that uh, uh, I think Mac was probably not quite that uh, risk taking at the time, but right. you know, it was a great commercial. Everybody remembers it, at least that saw it. Um, but yeah, it's it'd be interesting to see uh, to do more research on that. Maybe that's something we should explore on the blog. Ooh, that sounds like a challenge to Martin. It absolutely yes. does. For you to take up that, uh, and then for us to pick it up, take and, up uh, the cudgel here, uh, and yeah. throw it at the screen. <laughs> yeah. Robert is Robert is throwing the gauntlet down on me. Um, but you know, I I think that the uh, the the quote that I chose, well, it's maybe not the best summation that I've ever come up come up with for for the quotes that you guys no. have produced. Uh, I think it's it's in line with that, and it's certainly relatable uh, to both. Um, because, you know, like I said, a weak conscience uh, certainly does lead to the problems that we've talked about. A weak conscience uh, uh, can, it, it, a weak conscience helps in making men docile, yep. right? Yep. And so, yep. which is how you impose that despotism. Uh, because a weak conscience leads to docility, which is... The crushing of, of that individuality uh, that was so important to Mel. So, you know, maybe it does a better job of, of summing up the quotes than I thought it does. But, um, you know, that is a danger that we should always be on the lookout for. Though, is that crushing of individuality? Mm-hmm. It is so important that we not fall into groupthink. That we don't subsume not just our identity but our own thinking our own thought processes to some tribalistic notion of our identity because that's to me that's voluntarily mm-hmm. becoming weak kind of like you were talking about Francis because you were presupposing that the small men mm-hmm. uh, pre-existed pre-existed the quote the, I'm, I'm, no pre- pre-existed the state the state in the quote that's yeah um and I don't think that's necessarily true. That's not to say they're not small men. Right. Uh, and, and, I'm, and, and, and I'm weak-minded men. Read over that quote a few times after that. Still not convinced it couldn't mean that. Yeah. But I don't think that's where he was going. I, and, and I understand. We, he was we, talking we about, you know, the state, even in the name of benefiting the people, making them small. Well, let's put it this way. Yeah. The, it, limited imagination small. Certainly, there are those who are small-minded and have limited imagination, don't want to take risks already. That, that's, that's just natural. That's correct. Um, and certainly, a tyrant, a despot, uh, a tyranny of some sort can play on that and maybe even leverage that into imposing that same state uh, status. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. Upon the rest of it's, it's the citizen, yeah, it's easier to dominate a risk-averse populace, right? And it's certainly easier to. Uh, it's almost impossible to impose that from scratch. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You got to have a base to build upon, yeah. and those are willing to be but dominated. You, you've got to reinforce it strongly, right? But yeah. you have that; those are be willing to be dominated to start with. So maybe maybe there's a case to be made for that, and, and eliminate those who are not willing to be dominated. And that's the other half of it. Yeah. Yes. 
which is yeah. the elimination because of the individuality. To go from the swamp to the stars, you have to acknowledge risk is our business. Oh, very good. Oh, wow. Very Dude, good. That, that is, is awesome. awesome. Reagan and Captain Kirk. Kirk in the same sentence. That's right. And, and did it well. The great James T. Amen, amen. So, yeah, so, yeah, I can... You know, it probably sums yeah. it up fairly well then. I so, guess. yeah, I mean, the, again, right back where we were with, well, there's a lot of good stuff to John Stuart Mill, but at the same time, there's a lot of holes here. There's that, a lot that's problematic. Yeah, yes, that, uh, that we have to kind of, to a degree, give him a pass because he didn't experience the end game of these ideas of... You know the the. He didn't understand the industrialization of despotism. Right. That's very true. Well, because you know he's pre World War One, pre World War Two. Uh, he's pre Franco Prussian. That's right. Yeah, exactly. The, I mean, he literally. Uh, that's seven years before the for all that. Eighteen sixty. Uh, no, excuse no. me. Three years after. Three years after. Eighteen seventy-three. So he's 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 three so, time. Yeah. So I mean, he doesn't. Uh, all, most of his writing happens prior to that, which I mean, is probably he's, he's just kind of in the middle of the industrial revolution. The well, he's really at the beginning. He's starting to understand steam and yeah. I guess you could say he's in the middle in the railroads and it's been going on for several decades. But he doesn't understand what that leads to. Yeah, the military-industrial complex does not exist yet. And right. That's when it really yeah. gets to be something big. Yeah, because that's but, really the, the industrial yeah. revolution it's just is really such a paradox that he's. Arguing for the limitation of the state in favor of the individual, yet likes to use the power of the state. But what he's to presuming things. But he's presuming this, and that is that those individuals with great liberty of conscience, liberty of thought and deed and word and all of that, are the ones who are making up the apparatus of the state. Ah, that's yes. very true. He's yes. presuming so that's the, that's the key. Fault. He is presuming benevolent dictatorship. Yes. Yeah. To go yeah. Hobbesian. Yes. I mean, yeah. Kind of what yes. Doing, uh, he's presuming yes. that, but more importantly, he's presuming not just the benevolent dictator. I, I think it really does go back to he's presuming that that individual, that, we, that, that those who are making up the state that are working for all that good, are maintaining their individuality, while yet all working for the same thing. It's like. Yes, you're all individuals. Right, we're all individuals. I'm not. You know, it's you exactly. cannot all be working for the exactly the same goal and yet still maintain your individuality, I think, in the way we think of it today. Yeah, and again, individuality of thought, not, hey, I'm going to get a tattoo so I can be just like everybody else and be an individual. Right, yeah, I don't think he would call that individuality. You know, that, that circle, yeah. that crazy yes. circle. I'm going to wear black like all my friends so that I can be nonconformist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to get that barbed wire tattoo like everybody else has so that I can be an individual. Yeah, it's, it's ding, not, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, so, you know, he's. I think that his presumption of uh, that ideal person... Yeah. Uh, and and Orwell pulls that trap door from underneath of him. He does, he does. Uh, but to be fair, again, you know that that Orwellian society is not possible without indus- the industrial revolution, the communication revolution that happens. Yeah, yeah. Because when you think about it, it really, it is the industrial revolution that uh, 
uh, well, for lack of a better term, industrializes, because now it's become a verb, the dehumanization of the individual. That's what makes that crushing of individual liberty so possible. uh, we, we uh, We as humans are simply fodder for this industrial monster. Right. Does the machine right. serve us or do we serve the machine? Right. Are we in the Matrix or are we the Matrix? Mm-hmm. I am so glad that you all brought that up. I'm, uh, I would like to think the machine serves us. Well, of course. We, and it's ideal, We yes. have to believe that in order for us to continue serving well, it. <laughs> but you know what? I think, I think it's not an either or. I think we have to serve the machine... And the machine has to serve us. Oh, so you're proposing symbiosis. Yeah, well, in a certain, to a certain degree, not matrix level of symbiosis, because yeah. that's that's subordination. That's right. Yeah. In its entirety, where humans are the battery for the machine. What I'm talking about is that we have to be able to not only work, and this is very Millsian, we have to be able to work in the machine, through the machine, for the betterment of all. While at the same time, you know, the machine yeah. has to, it does have to provide a good, a true good for others, not a domination. That's the trick. It's that fine line I talked about. You have to be able to walk that knife edge. But it is so easy it could mean to take a step to the left even. or to the right and fall off. Yeah. You could have, an, you could have domination with that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the good. We could subsume. I don't our know. I don't think you could because I think I, I don't think so because once you get into do, uh, domination, nothing else is possible. Yeah, nothing. Else, you are you then throw out the inherent dignity. You are no. into crushing mm-hmm. the individual. Yeah, and that is always uh, an evil. Uh, now, the individual willingly working with others for the good of all is not because that's a voluntary choice. And I think why I was saying it has to be both, we have to be willing to make sure that the machine doesn't fall into despotism. That's why I say that, you know, you can't say the machine is only there to serve us. Because once you start thinking that, that's down the road to the machine must provide all that I want. Yeah. Wally. Right, Which and is, you and you can't say that we are only there to service the machine because that only makes the machine able to yeah. say it is the master. Yeah, the Apple, uh, you know. Star Trek. Yes, the speeders evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it it has to be both. Uh, what is it? Landrew is the body. Mm-hmm. All that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same but, theme. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, whereas in the feeders evolve, they were simply life support organisms. In Vol's system, yeah, they were they were kept alive to serve the machine. That's really essentially it. At least they. But stopped. the machine also provided for them. Well, in order to keep them, see, there goes the question: What's yeah. the intent? Chicken or the egg? You well, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is we, that did he do this in order to, to keep himself alive because they had to maintain? See, uh, that's the argument that Spock and McCoy have. Yeah, you know, uh, Spock uh, McCoy says it's 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 immoral to have humanoids living to service a bunk. Uh, a hunk of tin, yeah. and Spock says, but it's also within the rights of people to d- decide on a system that seems to work for them. But that's just it. Those people didn't decide. Well, at the, the, at the current state in time, correct, they had no choice, 
But who who says where it started? And that's right. where in that's. But the choice needs to be able to be made continuously. And that's correct. That's why McCoy was ultimately right here. Yes. Yes. See, that's the that's where the crushing of the individual comes yeah, into to play. Continue that's to right. be able to make the that's choice. That's correct. From a Mill's perspective, that's exactly from a moral it. perspective. Yeah, I that's, think, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, both, yeah. Both, yeah, both yeah, the case here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's inherently the true. Peters of all was an immoral system, right? Because the choice was taken away. That's correct. It was no longer symbiotic. It was subordinated. So how yes. many how it's many Star Trek episodes did we just mention there? Uh, uh, two at least. Yeah, the, the Return of the Archons and uh, the Apple. And then I also did uh, Risk is Our Business. That's oh, a that's different yeah. Episode. That's that's Return to Tomorrow. There's three right there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so three, three, yeah. That, that, that's not bad. I don't know that that's our record, but that's not bad. Three, well, you know, three I can, Star Trek. Episodes. I can throw in a movie quote. You know, we learn by doing. Yeah, uh, you know, right. we that is part of it. You know, that's part of the uh, continuous choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is you have to be able to be able to make your own mistakes. It's, well, otherwise, it's stagnation. Yeah, right. Yeah, which yeah. is what Kirk's talking about there. All right. So, coming out of this episode, it sounds like Martin's got a couple pieces of homework. One is, I really love what I did with the, uh, do we serve the machine or does the machine serve us? So, I'm going to have to work that into a post on snakesandotters.com. I tell you what, that's a that's a, a book unto itself. Yeah. The philosophical that's and moral right. implications. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, I also need to follow up with yet another post on snakesandotters.com of... What's the tie between Mill and Orwell? Yeah. Where, where, yeah how did Mill influence Orwell? Yeah. It's got to be written about somewhere. Got it be. has he, to be. It has they're to be both too large and too close proximity time-wise to there not to at least have the question yeah. asked. And I, and I don't know. You I, gotta, I love the, the image of Orwell pulling the trap door from underneath John Stuart Mill. I think if anything... You could say Orwell, my gut instinct would be that he is uh, reactionary to Mill. Mm-hmm. Not, and that's how he'd be influenced. He would look at that and say, just like, as we have, no, no, no. If you what take you're this saying, to its logical conclusion, yes. yeah. here's where it, we go. The maddening part about Mill, there's so much good, but then, wow, there's a lot of bad ideas here too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the weird part is they seem so antithetical. And that's partially because we look at things with a different perspective. Yes. We've lived through the result of Marxism. We've lived through... The worst... So much more things. Well, the worst forms of despotism. The things which, that he... Which he was very much against. Yeah, yes. I mean, the, the things that Mill tried to warn us against and then also enabled. And it's like... Dude. Again, he... Pre- I, I think at the heart of it, he just pre- presumes... That a good moral, just like our republic, is is yeah. for a good and moral people. And once you take that out of the equation, you you get tyranny. Yeah, yeah. And both and the, the those who see that argue, why would you ever presuppose that humanity could be good? Right. And, and, and but utilitarianism does. has that huge flaw at its core. Oh yeah, and it, it he's very he's very overt about that. He says yeah. it many times. Well, you know, I think it's it's part humans will eventually of, do what's best for all. You know, he was a liberal of his day, and I think you could. Yeah, very much. In I think he would recognize the philosophical underpinnings of liberalism today, uh, of where things started, not where they are. 
but that but presupposing where started, that, that in the end humans are are good, or that they're going to work for they're each other's good, work which for is each other's good. yeah, which you know they recognize selfishness is bad, but what they fail to recognize is that we're all selfish in some way. Yeah. It's only when, as as Francis said, that we uh, don't listen to our consciousness consciences from his quote. Yeah, yeah. That we become right. the despots. The only the only real way to limit our selfishness is to limit what we can do with that selfishness. Yeah, limit, and it, limit the machine right. so that our selfishness well, can't take over. Well, that's and that's very Thomas More. The highest limit authority, ourselves and the machine. The yeah. highest authority is the conscience. Yeah, uh, he even uh, exactly Mill even about. has a quote. Yeah, but about, and the quote and the end point. I'm sorry, Robert, but the end point being, what practical way can we limit the conscience? And that's to limit. The power we grant ourselves right. over others. Right. He even talks about how he uh, the about limiting his desires rather than the yeah. pursuit of things. Yeah, that's what that's what you're you're talking about. Right. And, limiting but the he desires. did that himself. Right. It's like yeah, but you've got to go the next step, John. Right. Because you got to go the how do we limit someone else's <clears throat> desires for the benefit of everyone? You did it consciously. Not everybody's going to do not that. Everybody's and going what do you do this. with those people? And the realization that that will happen. Right. That's where he, I think, was a huge flaw for, for I him. would say this much as, as we come to the end here. I think it would be kind of cool for us Snakes and Otters guys to have a dinner party with John Stuart Mill. Oh, yeah. We'd have a blast with that because we could really get into under, understanding where he's really going with that. You know, right. we, we've talked about those those dinner parties that we should have with folks for those intellectual discussions or, you know, bourbon and cigars. In a, in, a, in a round, he might round bulldoze table. us. I mean, he is a genius. He's a genius. That's correct. That's, that, that, no, well, that's what. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I, that's why I'd love to have a dinner party with him because I'd love to, you know, because I'm presuming that he has good intent. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yes, 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 absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. This is not. This is not overtly advantage. self-serving. This is. Yeah. He's. This is well thought out, and for the benefit of society, yeah. in his mind, yeah. how do you get there when we can show examples of? Here's things that right. yes. work John, that way. I, I'd like to say, Johnny, what is your response to 70 years of Soviet communism? That's right. Of the Mao's great leap forward. The cultural revolution. The cultural revolution. Yeah, which which led um, to the death of how many? Uh, and, you know, that's in, in order to for, force complicity. What would he say to, you know, the, the 100 million or so, or more than that, uh, worldwide. But I think in the U.S. it's something like 70, 75 million abortions, mm-hmm. which you could argue are a direct uh, intellectual result of his argument that... Well, very much so. ...of you should not have the child if you cannot care for it. That's right. I mean, we, we've had current political candidates argue that the cure for inflation is more abortion. Yeah, more abortion. Absolutely. Limit that population. The, oh, yes, and do we? In which population do we oh, limit? That is correct. Yeah. If you look at the statistics, yeah. there is no doubt who wins that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. certainly he. He honestly, would say that the 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 difference is in the qualifiers for him. Well, well, that's always the difference, you know, though, for everybody. Yeah. You know, so, what is good for thee is not necessarily good for I me. I mean, he would be all into it. I mean, if he were there with us, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, I predated all that, and I I said you got to limit this and limit this and limit this." But you didn't go far enough, John. Well, that's... Well, see, I don't know that you can't... That's part of the problem I'm coming to realize with all the philosophers we talk about is that, kind of like Moore with Utopia. Yeah. They love to talk about the ideal. 
and even they will talk about the caveats and the the you know this we got to watch out for this but there is no way in any anybody's philosophy to guard against it 100 percent to guard against the corruption well, that that's exactly what Moore was trying to say with a utopia right, right it ain't possible folks it's not possible, it's not possible. and yeah. therefore that's one of the things that makes philosophy while it's a wonderful exercise intellectually and I would never say it's truly a pointless uh, uh, discussion uh, no uh, profession okay because um, it, it probably is a pointless discussion of a term I mean a pointless what discussion, I'm saying of a discussion. Discussion. it, it, it is of, that is philosophy that's right a pointless discussion of a term of questions that, exactly that is it. the essence of philosophy yeah but on a practical matter uh the best we can do is use bits and pieces of it as both examples and warnings, but no one philosopher or philosophy is a workable thing. Well, it's, it's able to articulate certain truths, yeah. yes. but, they, but in and of itself, it cannot be an absolute. Yes, and that's why you know one of the even things though it's been tried. I said before, I'll finish it real quick because I know you're we're, we're way over here. Yeah, um, you know I've often said that the, uh, theology is just uh, philosophy with God. And philosophy yeah. is theology without God, uh, for lack yeah. of a better. I put it in other ways, but that's yeah. essentially not always. But yeah, well, generally speaking, I mean, you know, we start throwing God into it, you automatically get into theology. Yeah, um, that is why I think that uh, theology is provides more workable systems than philosophy. The only issue there is still not everybody's going to ascribe to it, yeah, and not everybody's going to apply the same theology. Uh, because again, we are fallen creatures. So even though uh, I think you might come up with a better uh, system from a theological perspective, I still recognize that you still can't impose it, and you still can't expect everybody to to follow it because we are fallen. Excellent. So. Thank you, Robert. Very well done. Very very real well done. So, Francis, what is next time? We are going next month. We are going to finish out our long reach here over philosophy and philosophers. A reach forward, not a reach around. That's right, because we've done this here for most of this year. So, and of course, next month is December. So, we're going to finish it all out with, I think, the capstone of where we are today. The guy who take took all of the stuff that we went before, because if you paid attention month to month. They all build on what went before. Uh, John Dewey, American. So much of our understanding of the human person comes from his philosophy, taking things forward, and not always in a good way. So that's what so we're So we need more axe handles, is what you're telling me. Oh, absolutely. We're going to make, make it in. So we got the Woodrow Wilson piñata is the biggest one. John Stuart Mill Pinata is next, but there's going to be a John Dewey Pinata. John, very much so, because he believes and puts forth the idea that we are mechanistic in nature. And that's where we're going to go next month, so be here. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes drop every second and fourth Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a review. That helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next time.